So you made it made it back home safe. Good flight. I did. Yeah, easy, quick. Um, always nice to get home early. Yeah, that's always probably a fun thing, huh? Especially, I mean, I know yep. you, you you do quite a bit of travel. I do. So um, yeah, and uh, timing's good because I leave tomorrow for Fort Lauderdale, and um, we'll be gone next week in the Caribbean on a boat. Oh, there you go. So, that sounds yeah. relaxing. It's, it's a yeah. All right. No, it is. Yeah, definitely. A little digital detox, so (laughs) always a good thing. I don't know too many insurance conferences that uh, go on cruise ships. (laughs) Nope. This is just uh, fun. Well, Mr. Anderson, I kind of wanted to pick your brain for a second, even though that's a taboo phrase around these parts. But I I thought, hey, I saw a post on LinkedIn, and you were talking about... um, Like, why can't we share information better? Like, why are we so... Um, reluctant, I don't know what the word would be, but uh, we just don't seem to want to do it all that much. And, um, mm-hmm. I mean, just why? Why? So, I have my suspicions. Um, it's, well, I don't know. Let me ramble a minute. Sure. It's, not a te- it's not a technology issue. Uh, it's a business issue. So, I think carriers, for the most part, and I would say vendors also, because I think they both are part of this equation, um, have at least a perception or they perceive that it's against their business interest to allow agents to take data and move it easily and quickly from one platform to another. So I think on the carrier side, it is, I don't want them, you, agent, person to be able to take a quote, a submission, you know, e- and easily transfer that to another carrier with the push of a button. Uh, certainly the fear being, and in maybe a few cases I could see it, but the fear being that business will move just based on price. And so then the price war gets even worse than it already is. Um, I think on the vendor side, they see it as a revenue source for certainly third-party vendors, platforms, or applications to access through their platform uh, data and information to expand um, out, uh, let's say, an offering of what an agent wants. Uh, and I, I would call that legacy thinking. Um, I, I think my point in my question is in, in today's world, A startup company, a new company, would never, and that may be too strong, but seldom would consider a platform that didn't allow data to easily get in and out. And that's an API or web services or several different names uh, for that. Um, Steve, you have any good news? news? I'm sorry? Do you have any good news, Steve? Is there any good news mixed in there? (laughs) Um, uh, You know, I think the good news... Um, well, I would say they're, you know, management system-wise, there are two platforms that are based on Salesforce. And frankly, Salesforce is one of my examples. They, I think it was 2008, I'm not positive about the date, but at one point, they charged a lot of money for API access, which actually is the vendor model. Yeah. And the vendor won't allow any third party that they consider a potential competitor, even at a price to pay. So they see it as a, a revenue source. Uh, Salesforce, though, made a decision to open the platform up 
and free. Uh, there, there, uh, there are some expenses, but not outrageous, more kind of maintenance types expense, and open it up to, you know, virtually any third party platform. Now, I, I'm sure they, and I haven't looked at it, but I'm sure they have some you know, kind of guidelines or restrictions or if it's a direct competitor maybe or something like that. But if you look at the Salesforce kind of ecosystem, I mean, there are literally hundreds of third-party applications that build upon the that platform, including the newest, new, newest, the two newest agency management systems. Uh, Tech Canary is uh, a little bit older than Varuna, but those two both have built and are continuing to build policy management capabilities on the Salesforce platform. Yeah, I mean, outside of my like subtle fear of just like Salesforce, like one day ruling the world, I don't know. I just, I just kind of have that feeling like of all the companies, like I feel like <clears throat> Salesforce might do that. But um, tell me if I, tell me what you think about this. Um, it feels like, you know, you mentioned, you'd said, um, you know, they're afraid that business is going to move more on price than it is now. But I think the harder it is for us agents to do our job, the more that that is like the inverse of that. Like, like if, if we can't do our job fast, faster and meet that expectation, that's only going to just incentivize them to go direct or go with somebody where there just isn't such a hassle with whatever it is. Right. Or maybe, I don't know, but it just feels like that, 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 that I completely agree. That hurting yep. mentality is only going to create the inverse effect of what they're trying to prevent. And that just, Oh my goodness. Right. And, and I, I believe that is what I, and again, I won't lump everybody in here, but I believe most executives at insurance companies don't understand that, that, the consumer today, the changing consumer, yeah. and it's not just young people. I, I think that's my part of my message is, you know what, it's everybody who's used to doing business um, quickly. In fact, I call it, and I wrote an a, a article on it, I call it the value of speed. Or I think yeah. what I phrased it is speed is a value. Mm -hmm. So we need to take friction out of the process. And so... I believe agents need to be quoting, allowing quoting on their website, but the problem is the friction is huge on the consumer's part and the agent's part. And you've seen that even with the in-person lines with comparative rating, yep. right? Easier to get multiple mm -hmm. quotes and actually to get a policy and get an accurate quote is really difficult. Now, here's where I'll defend the carriers a little bit. <clears throat> agents... And, and I would say agency owners think they sell more on price. Agency staff almost exclusively sells on price. And it's personalized. It's really driven it. Think about a comparative rater and the way it's presented. What's presented first when you have multiple quotes for, a, let's say, an auto or a homeowner? Cost. Yeah. And so listed in often cheapest to most expensive. What could be done, maybe should be done, is coverage differences listed first and price listed second. Well, I'll, I'll even, I mean, just let's let's add a third column, Steve. Let's call it value, right? I mean, because I think that's ultimately 
our job, right? Is our job is to find that value. It's to hey, these are the coverages, these are the prices, and then we got to put those two together. And hey, based on everything that we know about these things, this is the best value for you for what you're looking for. And I, that's just the approach I've always <clears throat> taken in my my career. And um, yeah, and, and I guess my pushback would be, and I, value is so nebulous. What does that actually look like? What what really is that value? Um. And I think that's where I have a difficult I, – I, I agree with you in theory. I have a difficult time in practice for an agent or even an agency staff, a customer service agent or an account manager or what, whatever that internal person is that's dealing with a small business owner or an uh, individual to say, here's our value. Well, I think what we think is value, our consumers, our policyholders, our prospects probably don't even consider value. So I think a lot more work needs to be done in terms of what really do they value, not to what do we say our value is. Let me, let me hit you with this, Steve, and feel free to jump in at any point in time. So being a health insurance guy, I look at the PNC world completely different. And I, most of the time, it's just like, what are you guys doing really is what I'm, I'm thinking. Right. Um, mm-hmm. When I say value, so in the health insurance world, my value is, hey, listen, yeah, this is the cheapest plan. This is the most expensive plan. But the big factors that you're not talking about are your out-of-pocket maximum. You know, yeah, you've got this deductible that yep. might be low, which is $1,000. But, you know, your out-of-pocket max is actually higher than um, on that expensive plan than it is on the ch- plan that's cheaper. And then, oh, by the way, where's your doctors fit into this? Your network of hospitals and things like that, that cheap plan. You're going to be going to like a shack behind a dark alley somewhere with a dude with some rusty, you know, scalpels cutting you open. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of that's the that's the value, right? It's understanding those things and the different variables. And I think that's, I think that's tough with 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 like auto because it, it is so standardized. It is such a commodity that that there is there isn't as many hidden things. But I think the value is also like, hey, you know, if you're if you're comparing one company to the next, it's I can tell you from 20 years. You know, I've never had an issue with claims with this company versus, you know, this one. Yeah, they're going to give you a a hassle 50% of the times, right? People value just the overall annoyance in their life, right? They want to reduce that. It's like, hey, what can I do to not make my life suck any more than it already does? And if you can tell them based on your experience what that is, that's kind of, again, how I always approach it, at least on the health insurance side. And I think um, that hassle, that frustration, that friction, that's the value, right? I think that that, that is hard to quantify. Yes. So a couple comments. One is uh, personal, personal auto, I'll use auto, maybe a little less homeowners. It, it really is thought as a commodity, and it's the farthest thing from a commodity. Yeah. So that's a mindset we even have bought into the industry. Two, personal lines specifically, and I would say small commercial, for a lot of agencies is an afterthought at best. So there isn't a focus on how do we train people to talk about this. And third, it takes a lot more time to do that than here's the price. Because I think too many of us think price is the driver. And I totally agree with your approach, but we've got to change the mindset in our agency staff specifically and maybe even our agency owners to really see that, I, I, I think there's huge upside potential for personal lines. Because I think agents have a great story to tell. We're just not telling it. Well. Um, and, and not telling it well. Um, so that, that would be, again, not even pushback, but comments based, based on what you said. Yeah, no, I mean, I think 
Believe me, I think you're completely right. And, and the more I talk to different agencies, the more I think like, man, this feels very obvious. Like, I don't want to, I don't want that to sound wrong. Like, it feels very obvious to me, right? Like, this is how I've always, like, it's just, it was just kind of my natural gear. And I don't know where, I don't know how, I guess if you're brought up in that, that kind of environment, um, that kind of feels like the only thing you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I think, I think coming back to where we started, the technology piece, right, is is we feel like that's the only thing we can sell on and it's really hard for us to get multiple. For example, you know, I've talked to agencies where, you know, their expectation, if they get a quote back to somebody within, you know, uh, less than 24 hours, they're doing good. You know what I mean? Like, that's, in- that's intense. Like that's, that's a crazy, ridiculous, slow expectation that people are not kind of really geared for anymore. Um, and, I don't know. That just that feels like because they haven't adopted just simple things like raters, uh, you know, just yeah. hey, let's put it into this thing. Yeah, it's not the most accurate thing yet, but maybe if we shared the data a little bit more easily, maybe we could speed that process along. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm. As you can kind of just feel my frustration just kind of spinning around. But I think, I think we're saying. Yeah, the same thing. I, yeah, I do think we're saying the same thing. I think there are some nuances. Um, I, I wonder how many agencies actually have a. Maybe we call it a value comparison of policy and company that they can bring up when they're quoting multiple carriers and, and say, like you said, hey, we've had you know, really good claims experience with this. So for, let me give you, you know, Chubb, whoever they are now, high-valued homeowners, yeah. they have a, historically, they've had a massively positive reputation for claim service. Um, and their personal auto policy is more, costs more, but it includes rental or used to, I, I should say that, at least last time I looked, it includes rental, uh, rental car collision damage waiver automatically. Well, is that a commodity? No, most, most policies don't do that. Is it worth the extra? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But those are the distinctions that take more time, and as agency staff understand that, trained on it, do they sell that way? Uh, and, and so I think there's huge opportunity for improvement there. Steve, let me ask you this question. You talk to a lot of people around the industry. I mean, if we're not selling that way, what are we doing? Uh, we're giving up uh, market share continually to um, the, the directs that I think, you know, and, and be they online, the, you know, insure tech startups or, you know, the lemonades or the, you know, and, and right, let's just take lemonade. Whole new model, whole different viewpoint. Um, questioning everything that has historically been done by insurance companies and really asking why multiple times. Why do we do it this way? You know, and because we've always done it that way is not a valid answer. <laughs> yeah. And so take, you talk about taking friction out. I mean, that's pretty interesting to me. Now, on the other side, I talk to lots of people in the industry. They say, oh, they're not going to be around. And, oh, you know, they can't do that. Oh, they can't. And I'm going, really, are you sure? Yeah. You know, and maybe not. I mean, I'm not convinced yet that is the right model, but they are taking the perspective of how can we make it as easy as possible. Again, speed to them is a value. So, for example, that you, you on the mobile app, you can change policy coverages in real time. Now, I talk to people say, that's crazy. They can't do that. They're going to lose their shirts. Yeah. Well, when I have people say that to me, I go, huh, really? Or is it just because you've never thought about how to do it that way? 
Yeah, and I mean, so whether it's lemonade, and this is the thing, like lemonade is irrelevant by the standpoint. It doesn't matter if they do it; somebody will do it, right? And that's mm-hmm. it's whoever gets there first it will win. Uh, really quick, I love my Netflix recommendations. Steve, I don't know if you're a Netflix guy. Mind Hunter, have you watched that I show? Am. Uh, it's one which the, one? Mind Mind Hunter. It's on. It's one of their Netflix original series. Uh, I think I've watched. No, I don't. No, I'll say no because I think I might have started one but not finished it. Just because of time if, if you want to know and I, i'm just i'm like three episodes into this it's but um it's it's all about the fbi in like the 70s talking about um uh creating uh, psychological profiles behavior profiles on criminals oh yes 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 yeah. yes yes i have seen several shows yeah yes so before that they and they're, thought, they're interviewing yeah um Mass murderers that are in jail. Got it. Yes, yes, yes. I that yes, I have seen that. Anyways, the reason I bring it up is before that point in time, they just thought you were either you either were a criminal or you weren't, or just it was just this very simple. I'm like, I was like, this really happened, and like, so the idea to think of like, there's different reasons and motives for people to do the things that they do, and understanding why. Anyways, it's just everyone thought that that was crazy when they were doing it, and it's just that's the like that's when my like Bob goes off when somebody says you can't do that or this is crazy this will never work it's like well maybe that's like think the complete opposite way and I just hope enough of the people in our side of the industry at least are willing to accept that just because it's crazy doesn't mean it won't work I, I, I totally agree one of the in fact I just came so came back from a presentation this morning in Charlotte and uh, in the sessions four hours I call it um, emerging insurance exposures and uh, E&O issues and it really is looking at a lot of the new technology from social sharing to 3D printing to all kinds of stuff. And one of my mantras there is um, don't ask if, ask how. Yeah. And our industry asks more if we can do it or no, we can't do it. Yeah. And I am always want to say, okay, if suspend disbelief, if you thought we could do it, how would you do it? And to me, that's a great exercise to think about some of this stuff instead of just saying, no, um, we can't do it or, you know, all of those kinds of things. You know, what kills me is like, like we should be the ones figuring out the new way to do it. Like that should be an exciting challenge. You know, it's like, hey, we've been doing this the longest. Like if anyone's going to do it, it should be us. I kind of would mm-hmm. like that mentality to spread a little bit. And oh, by the way, we've got the most money. Like, you know what I mean? Right. So, yep. Uh, those two things feel like a really, really, really tasty marriage, in my opinion, personally. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, we should be. But again, I use the term, and I'll use it again, we have too much legacy thinking. We've never done it that way. And, and, and actually, I understand why. We are in the risk business. Our Insurance companies, insurance agencies, are, the whole industry is so risk-averse, they're not willing to fail. And that's our biggest problem. Yeah, well, So here's how I say it. Every, every, all the innovation, right? Everybody knows we need to innovate. We need to try new things. Here's the problem. Innovation requires experimentation. And experimentation by its very nature means you're going to fail. But companies punish employees for failing. Yeah. So it's uh, it, this is a whole idea I'm developing right now, but I call it successful failure. Yep. How many successful failures have you had this year, this month, this week? And what you learned from it, and what was the second iteration, the third iteration? Thomas Edison is quoted saying, I haven't made 10,000 mistakes. I found 10,000 ways this won't work. 
actually was a fairly accurate quote. And I think his biggest contribution, certainly light bulb and right, all the stuff that he did, he invented, but he actually created in his laboratories in Menlo Park and Orange, uh, Orange City, I think, New Jersey, he actually created laboratories and innovation factories. And they all they did experiments and they tracked everything. He has hundreds of journals of everything they tried, what didn't work, and the next thing they tried. That's how the light bulb came out. Completely transformed the world. So anyway, I got on my soapbox on that one. So but but it's the mindset. It's it's the risk aversion. Well, oh, we can't try it. It might fail. Well see, I think well, here's I if, think here's here's the problem, Steve. I think we make the risk bigger than it needs to be. Like we control the size of the risk, right? So for example, I'm sure we could take the budget of every insurance company that they spend on every 18 green hole, like T tent at like whatever, you know, golf outing, like, and probably start Mm -hmm. a successful insurance company that is doing these things, right? Like that, like that, it's like the money they're just tossing down the drain that is, you know, that they think is a safe, safe bet. Like that's actually the, you know, that's the money they've already thrown away. Um, mm-hmm. and just, let's just maybe take some of that back and put it somewhere else. And, and again, it doesn't have to be like a $6 billion play. It just, Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's make it as small as we can tolerate at the moment. And at this point right. it hasn't been very, it's been microscopic, but that's probably not fair, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yep. I do. And I think, I think there is some little inklings of light at the t- end of the tunnel on that one. Yeah. So you're seeing a handful, I would say, of insurance companies kind of create their own venture capital funds and uh, insure tech startups and accelerators yeah. and investing. And so we're seeing a bit more of that. And I call that outsourcing innovation. So they're saying, okay, who's out there that's doing it? Let's get a piece of it or partner with them or, or do something. So we are seeing some of that. I'm just not sure it's fast enough yeah. for how fast technology is developing and how fast consumer attitudes and mindsets are changing. And, and, and I'm afraid we're going to get further and further behind.